0: In this hell that you are in, the only way that you escape hell is by amusing the invisible audience enough, (laughs) by torturing the people you are stuck with, with cruel jokes, that you get enough seasons that like you actually get renewed enough that you get a satisfying exit.
1: Jessica and Zach from the day they were born They started
0: watching comedy because it was on She was a golden girl, he had Seinfeld on the brain They said a nine-year-old Frasier fan might just be insane Harry and the Hendersons, Mindy and Mork Now Jessica and Zach
1: get together and talk They'll never say the sitcom's glory days are gone They'll still watch it because it was on Because it was on
0: because,
1: because it was on, because it was on, because, because it was, was on, is it too early to set up a Patreon? And I'll call it Because It Was On, because it was on, because, because it, it was on. on, because it was on, because it was on. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Because It Was On. We are like that fancy film podcast, but for people who would rather talk about that episode of Designing Women, where Julia Sugarbaker accidentally mooned the mayor of Atlanta. I'm your host, Jessica, and I am joined here by my buddy, Zach. Hello. Hello. All right. Well, Zach, I'm super excited today because we have a philosophical question for the ages that you and I have been bumping up against over and over again as we have thought about sitcoms and research sitcoms and try to you know, put together the best possible episodes that we can for our listeners. And Zach, that question is, what is a sitcom?
0: it's it's the question that philosophers have been asking themselves for generations. I think that Aristotle said that a sitcom was anything with a laugh track. Um, Plato said that the three camera structure was necessary for it to be classified as a sitcom. Um, Nietzsche just said that he knows it when he sees it. Yes. So lots of back and forth. Has been going yes.
1: On. Yes. The great minds of of our civilization have battled this question for millennia. And I think, I think you and I will answer it. So I'm very excited for this. And I think the ultimate thing that we may be able to touch with this topic is a larger question. You see pundits or media analysts, or just your average media studies, PhD posit from time to time that sitcoms are dead or sitcoms are dying, or the average Joe on the Street might just assume sitcoms have done been dead unless you are one of those people turning on, you know, CBS primetime and happen to catch a 30 minute slot in between uh, your hour long crime procedurals. But I wonder if we think about what a sitcom truly is, if sitcoms really have died, and whether that is an accurate statement to say whether we're we're sort of slowly watching the death of an art form before our eyes. And that's the that's the ultimate question I hope that we can tackle today. So not only put to bed a question that that great philosophers have wrestled with for millennia, what is a sitcom, but also answer Are sitcoms truly dead? Are they truly dying? And do I need to be preparing my sitcom eulogy?
0: Right. We gave each other some homework that we were each going to go off separately and decide on what our grand theory of sitcom tautology is. I'm curious what you've come up with. What's the just theory of sitcoms?
1: So first of all, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the things that make it a shoot right? (laughs) Things that make it like, this is for sure a sitcom. You already touched on a couple of them. One, three cameras. Two, laugh track. Three, there is a press photo of the entire cast hugging or sitting on a very large piece of furniture. That's a, that's a, that is an in the bag. We are looking at a sitcom folks. Now, what else, what else kind of makes up that sitcom feel that sitcom genre right so you have of course your classics like i mentioned that are three camera there's a laugh track they're filmed in front of a live studio audience they have a theme song that is catchy and usually has words to it that we remember forever and ever and ever right obvious sitcom obvious sitcom tropes that we largely have I would say lost. So when we think about have sitcoms died, those things I think probably have, but I don't think those are the things that necessarily make a sitcom. I think that first and foremost, sitcoms are scripted. They're scripted pieces of television, whether that is network television or streaming television. They are acted or portrayed by the same actors who are playing the same characters on a regular basis. The primary intent of the show, if not the sole intent of the show, is comedy. It's to make people laugh. They are generally self-contained, Outside of a few episodes here or there that might be two or three parters, the storyline of the episode has to do with a problem, a struggle, an issue that can be resolved by the end of the episode and is usually something external to the characters. They are in a situation that they have found themselves. You know, somebody has to move. Somebody has a big test coming up somebody is going on a date, right? They are these sort of discrete activities or experiences that our characters find themselves in, which can be resolved by the end of the television block. And then I think importantly, we see these characters have essentially little to no character growth throughout the course of the series. Now characters can change because maybe something's not working with the show, but largely the characters, their core traits, who they are, they pretty much remain the same from beginning to end of the series. There's no no major through line or character arc or development that's going, you know, to take place on trajectory from season one, episode one through the series finale. The characters are pretty, pretty much who they are. I also think, and maybe this is more of a something. You know, debatable. I also think a sitcom is is a is a thirty minute episodic piece of media. It's I a hard, do not think, hard rule. I, I really you know, in I've really I thought about it. You know, I've 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 really reflected on it. I've you know taken taken the time to to sit out in my yard under a tree and really just become one with the nature around me and tap in to the shared consciousness of. <laughs> humanity. And in digging deep and really reflecting, I've kind of come to the decision and the conclusion that sitcoms are, 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 30 minute pieces of media.
0: That's brave. I respect you for that. Yes.
1: What do you, what do you think? Where do you think, where do you think I'm, I'm completely right? Where do you think I'm completely wrong?
0: Would you consider yourself to be a sitcom purist? Because this seems like a very conservative take on sitcoms.
1: Hmm. Am I a sitcom purist?
0: You know how they have like though they'll, they'll have those like memey charts mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. of like Christmas movie purist <laughs>
1: <laughs> No so I mean to me let me tell you what I think a purist is to me I think a purist is somebody who a sitcom has to be a three camera laugh track live studio audience, catchy theme song. Yeah. That to me is a purist take on sitcoms. I don't think you have to have those things. I think it makes it like you are a 100% a sitcom if you do have these things. Like that mm-hmm. is like, I would love if you could think of a show that has all of those things, but is not a sitcom. I can't. So I think you are a sitcom. Soap operas. Soap operas.
0: Your list, your first list was three cameras and a group photo and the theme song. So a traditional soap opera. <laughs> but
1: f- also filmed in front of a live studio audience with a laugh track?
0: I believe so, yeah. Mm, a lot I'm of them.
1: Sure. Yeah, like like a, like a one day at a um, time was filmed in front of a live studio audience?
0: I don't know if all of them are, but listen, I am exclusively pulling from Soap Dish with Sally Field so they had a live studio audience.
1: <laughs> okay, this is interesting. So I'm not I'm not as familiar with those. So maybe I need to add more to my list of like, you're for sure sitcom if you have these things, but it starts to get dicey, because then we run into we run into shows that have those elements, but are not themselves a sitcom, right? So I was thinking, okay, to your point, you could maybe have three cameras, a live studio audience and a laugh track and some sort of press or promotional shoot where they're all hugging and you could be a soap opera, maybe Ah, find me the soap opera press shoot where they're all hugging.
0: Okay. I'm on it.
1: (laughs) You know what? This is not a soap opera podcast. So if you, if, if you tuned in hoping to hear a take on one day at a time, we can't help you here, except I, I, to tell you that, you know, it actually may be a sitcom and you were wrong all along.
0: When this podcast blows up and we're like the McElroys and we have like five podcasts going, one of them is going to be on us just watching telenovelas.
1: But I was going to say, so adding to those things, all right, well, maybe we add in the sole intent of the show is comedy. But I think there are probably a lot of other shows where the sole intent of the show is comedy and they are so certainly not a sitcom,
0: right? I think you definitely got it right out the grim aspects of sitcoms and that there is no growth, there is no change and like people can never get out of their predicament. I think I have joked with you before that sitcoms are hell and yeah. like they they are particularly almost always like the personal hell of a particular woman on the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. My husband and I were just talking about this today. So we asked Alexa, right? We're like, Alexa, what's the definition of a sitcom? And she said the things pretty much I just mentioned and added on that. It has to be a family, which I thought was super interesting. Mm -hmm. Alexa added that it had to be a family. So then my husband and I were kind of digging, 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 digging into that. And really what we came up with is not necessarily a family, but it is definitely people who are stuck together. People who cannot get out of the situation that they're in, right? Like he mentioned, you know, Al Bundy, if given the opportunity, would be so gone from that family in a half of a second on Married with Children. (laughs) But he's still there, he's stuck there. So I think you're there's something super spot on here, right? That sitcoms are some form of hell or purgatory for a lot of the characters who are in them, because there is something about that element of stuckness that is very peculiar to sitcoms.
0: It's so many, you're dead on with like how so many jokes, if they were said by a character in real life, that'd be fucking, you'd be over, or done. Like it it has this very like Sartre's no exit about it, where like they can't leave that office. There is no divorce in sitcom world. (laughs) There is no quitting your job. Yes. <laughs> that hotel door does not open. <laughs> and like with Dorothy in the Golden Girls, whenever I watch it, I'm always thinking if someone said that in real life of just like, yeah, d- like the slut convention called Blanche or whatever, <laughs> it, a, a normal human response would be like, what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's. It- honestly so accurate and it took me embarrassingly long as a lover of sitcoms and a child who grew up on them to realize that these are actually not things you can say to people (laughs) in real life like you can be funny as fuck but it also can be so fucking mean and like in sitcom world it just plays it just hits right and so I had to grow up and have like that Liz Lemon realization of like I was the bully all along because I was constantly just like what kind of one liner can I fucking dunk on all of these people around me with like the full expectation for me that they're just gonna be like ah, Jessica and then we'd (laughs) all like wear matching white shirts and and jeans and hug yeah yeah
0: yeah. just like out on a on a couch,
1: yeah, exactly. for no one. Exactly, yes, that's exactly what I thought would happen. I had it's, to go through the
0: same strange. deprogramming. Yes, <laughs>
1: just, yeah. Just, yeah, you
0: can't play to an invi- invisible audience and expect people to like you,
1: <laughs> right? And that's why we have a podcast. We're playing yeah. to this invisible audience now. We finally have an
0: outlet we instead of like estranging
1: people. <laughs> Yes. And instead of just like really walking that line with HR at work, we we have this podcast. Aren't we lucky? (laughs)
0: yeah so there's so it's no escape it's always cyclical you never get off the island except in the series finale maybe and that's only if like you are very successful like in this hell that you are in the only way that you escape hell is by amusing the invisible audience enough (laughs) by torturing the people you are stuck with with cruel jokes that you get enough seasons that like you actually get renewed enough that you get a satisfying exit Like you get off the island, you win the lottery, something happens. But if you're if you don't please that invisible audience Mm -hmm. enough, then you are canceled. And that means that you are stuck there forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess unless you're Ray Romano, in which case you get no salvation ever, even though the invisible audience was pleased for a very long time. I
0: think Everybody Loves Raymond was the genesis of the sitcoms are hell theory for me. Just because Deborah is just stuck in hell of her own creation. (laughs) like like the the twist ending of no exit is like the door of the hotel room that they're stuck in opens and they realize that they could leave but because of their own neuroses they don't and so the the hell is so perfect that they choose to stay and that is fucking deborah she's not happy she's not a happy person she's constantly angry (laughs)
1: Right, right. Yes. But like, I mean, on top of that, like you talk about absolutely no development, right? that show and those characters start and end the same way, so much so that the finale is not really a finale. You could put it in any kind of lineup of that show and without knowing the show, put 10 episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond next to each other, scrambled up in order and I could ask you to pick the finale and it would, no way. There'd be no way to do it because the the whole premise of the episode, I mean, obviously like they allude in the episode that Ray might have some kind of health scare, but then completely go away and we just devolve into a normal episode. So like completely and absolutely no character development from point A to point B. I think you could maybe argue like some shows have like some type of character development on a sitcom and i wonder if these are like our like do they break our rule here i'm thinking of like a, a parks and recreation so think of andy dwyer in season one and then mm-hmm. think of andy dwyer in season four we have a very different character here season one he's living in the pit by no he's not living in the pit he's living with Anne still he's still Ann's boyfriend yeah he's kind of just a dick And then we have a very different Andy come season three or four. I mean, what do you, do you think this, do you you think this breaks? Do you think Parks and Rec is not a sitcom? Do you think this is development? What, What do you think is happening here with this character?
0: I mean, I think it's just not a hard and fast rule. It's just a trend that generally sitcoms have to be very conservative about messing with their premise. And so you don't see a lot of growth from the characters and it's very slow going if there is one that you don't get a, like a lot of like i'm trying to think of the word you don't you don't get a lot of like revelations of like a character going from like switching because of some kind of crisis that tends to be putting you more in the drama category you see like season by season these little things happens he move he breaks up and um, he gets like a steady job he gets better and better with april and that sort of thing yeah that, that that would be my take so just in general so often it is just like pure hell no growth no movement but just in general general, if you want to loosen that rule up a little bit, they are very conservative with messing with the premise.
1: Exactly. That's my thought on it. So I really thought about this one specifically. And I think it's less that this character specifically developed as a point of the show to de- like show the the this story of how a asshole dude can be reformed. I don't think that was their point here. I think it was more fucking with the premise of the show intentionally. I think that the first season of Parks and Recreation is actually poorly created and is not a great show. And I think they knew it at NBC and they intentionally reworked the show and reworked a lot of characters, not just Andy. And I think once you get a reworked version of him, he then does not grow. Right? And so I think the growing was it was incidental and had to do more with the creation of the show than it did the story that they were. Telling.
0: Yeah. I think Andy in particular has like the fan favorite syndrome where the audience responded to him. And so the writers worked to give him a more substantial role. There are two sitcoms that I think in particular engage, like, are self aware of premise. First of all, there's Seinfeld, who famously they had a rule in the writer's room that there's no learning, no hugging. The characters were forbidden from growing or learning their lesson.
1: I'm 99% sure there's a press photo of them all hugging. In fact, I remember. I remember it. Yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. Monster hug. So just pointing that out there that my my rule my rule continues to hold.
0: Oh, if, for all the traditional sitcoms, yeah, they they sit on a couch and they hug. But yeah, so in the writers' room, they had a strict standard that they said that no characters never learned their lessons, and it was it very much had that hell vibe of just these are characters that create a hell of their own creation. The series finale just like completely acknowledges it by having the last line reflect the first line of the series, where right. Jerry is like that button in the wrong place and they had the same asinine conversation in the jail cell at the end as they did in the diner in the beginning of just so they were very aware of this tradition in sitcoms see now to me that
1: button's in the worst possible spot see now to me that
0: button is in the worst possible spot really oh yeah the second button is the key button it literally makes or breaks the shirt the second button literally makes or breaks the shirt Look at it. It's too high. Look at it. It's too high. It's a no man's land. It's a no man's land.
1: You look like you live with your mother. Are you through? Haven't we had this conversation before? You think? I think we have. Yeah.
0: Do we have. I think they perfected it. I think Seinfeld probably yeah. does the nihilistic, no learning trope the, the best.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The other one that I think like there, it's a sitcom that's aware of this trope and is like having a dialogue with it is The Good Place. I have always from the beginning interpreted The Good Place as a sitcom that was written with the hell aspect of sitcoms in mind of like... <laughs> of like because what is it it is like this uh, heaven that is not actually heaven it's hell where these different characters are stuck together and not allowed to leave and are constantly by arbitrary circumstances forced to deal with each other in order to torture each other and I think that is Mm -hmm. very self-aware like it was a conscious decision by the writers to engage with this aspect of sitcoms. yes
1: yeah agreed and it stars Mr. Sitcom himself right Right. it stars Ted Danson so I think it's it's an added level of, of common Commentary there specifically about the nature of sitcoms and it's interesting because you could you wonder about the idea of growth and character development within the good place because that is that is the entire point of the show is like understanding can people change and I wonder if the characters actually do
0: you well I think like the whole so they engage with that concept and I think that they have a criticism of the sitcom genre of because why did Ted Danson's characters plan not work it's because the characters learn and they got better as people yes which is something that traditional sitcom characters don't do and so i think it is this real conversation that's happening with this sitcom about the genre of you know this is not reflective of human nature humans grow they're not just going to constantly sit there and do the same mistakes over and over again
1: i i have always loved the good place. I've never thought about it as its own comment on sitcoms in a very very meta way. I love it so much more now. I think you're I think you're dead on. You're super accurate in that. It's characters change specifically because sitcom characters don't change.
0: Right, yeah. I think, yeah, it's it's a very meta show in like a million different ways, but th- that always uh, stuck out with me. I've always thought sitcoms were hell, so I had that in my mind going in. Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting part of your theory. I think ours are similar, our grand theories of sitcoms. However, I, as I've told you before, I'm doing a lot of like, I'm going hard on like the media studies <laughs> book. And uh, there was one that I, I found called The Sitcom by Brett Mills it is entirely about defining sitcoms as a genre. I do not land on the same conclusion they did about uh, the definition of a sitcom. But but here is
1: Yeah, what's professors opinion here? So Mm -hmm.
0: it's, it's a book long thing. (laughs) But to summarize it, they sort of say that uh, defining a sitcom, like defining any genre is a little bit arbitrary. And so pinning anything down is sort of a fruitless task. But If you want to do it, the defining characteristic of a sitcom is it's comedic intent. And so if it is a packaged television show with comedic intent, then it's a sitcom. And we can talk about subgenres. That's sort of Professor Mills take.
1: I disagree completely with him. Not completely, because one of my characteristics was the intent has to be comedy. But I think that alone does not a sitcom make. You said you disagreed. Tell me how you disagree.
0: Well, let me clarify their point in that they don't really believe in making a dichotomy like that. So this is more like a discussion of sitcoms. And so they're more saying that the defining trait of sitcoms is their comedic intent, not that that's the litmus test.
1: I see. I see. I I agree in a lot of ways with that then. It is funny, though, their sort of idea of rejection of labels and dichotomies, because I promise you that this morning I was having this conversation with my husband <laughs> and he kept just going, it's not a binary, it's not a binary, as if I was his mother and he was a 13-year-old gender queer child and he had to convince me that it existed. That was the type of conversation we had, but it was about whether or not 30 Rock is a sitcom.
0: We do agree that genres have limited use. In, in like defining them, like is cereal a soup? Like uh, we can have the discussion. It's fun. That's why we're doing this. But yeah, it doesn't have to be so hardcore. But my, if I were to be hardcore, this this is my litmus test. I believe that a sitcom is fundamentally the answer to the question: How do we fit comedic theater? into broadcast television and all of the problems that come up with that question and how sitcoms answer them that's how they're defined so in the early days of television sitcoms were like one of the first types of television shows that there were that is because they were sort of televisions were being marketed as a way of bringing theater into the home and so most americans if they went to the theater it was probably some kind of vaudeville comedy style show or a traveling comedy show and so sitcoms were like an answer to that of like a near equivalent of like hey you don't have to go out you can get the television and watch this and so they have the live studio on audience which is to replace your fellow audience members in the theater and the sets were constructed you know exactly the way that a play set would be constructed with the fourth wall missing and the secondary walls cheated out and just you know how the furniture is arranged so the three camera structure the three camera setup was to try to make a very close equivalent to the theater and the audience is there and so I think that's very important that like the the live studio audience is just a way of making a connection between the production the joke teller and the audience just uh, which is very important like in stand-up comedy the relationship between the audience and the joke teller is super important and a way that sitcoms keep that alive is the live studio audience I do not think that you necessarily have to have a live studio audience because you can replace that in different ways. Like uh, Malcolm in the Middle or uh, Saved by the Bell, they have the characters talk directly to the camera. And Malcolm in the Middle does not have a live studio audience or a laugh track. But so there are different ways, like The Office, they talk directly to the camera. So as long as there is some kind of, fundamentally as a fabric of the television show, there is a way that you are breaking the fourth wall and like making a direct relationship with audience then i think you are open to it being a sitcom so comedic intent and a direct connection with the audience by talking to the camera or having a studio audience or a laugh track or possibly some other ways but just as long as you are trying to make that connection and you're not just doing it as a straight film like other shows so that would be my test comedic intent Mm. and having that direct connection okay yeah, And the other things that you mentioned. So again, to go back to sitcoms were born out of the question of how to get comedy into broadcasting. They have to be not serialized. Like they have to mainly have cyclical plots that resolve themselves at the end of the segment and a very conservative about messing with their premise so that they can easily be syndicated and seen out of order. And they will focus primarily on the family or the workplace or mm-hmm. some stationary place. Again, just because more so back in the day, but throughout the entire industry's history, you don't want sitcoms really don't have the budgets to be doing all these crazy sets. So they're primarily going to be one, two, three locations.
1: Right. Yes. I'm wondering. I think we hit on a lot of the same points. Your piece about audience connection is the one, obviously, that's a big difference between you and I. And show comes to mind. I want to see how you fit it into your premise. 30 Rock.
0: 30 Rock, I think I put it as a yes because it breaks the fourth wall quite often. It's a very self-aware show where occasionally Liz Lemon will look into the camera and say something. It's not quite as often as Malcolm in the Middle, but they'll they'll do they'll do that. Or they will mess with the spectacle of the show, like in in comedic ways where they will, I don't know, they'll have like a cutaway gag where Liz Lemon is like walking like a Muppet Mm. in a way that I don't know, it's like a wink to the audience in a way. Like this probably did not in reality happen it's not diegetic and so because they play a lot with it to use a fancy word diegesis, mm. I think mm. that uh, 30 rock would count as a sitcom
1: I agree with the self-awareness of the show which is interesting because I don't always think Tina Fey is the most self-aware person to ever exist but I think there is a self-awareness to the show yes
0: okay. so here's a good example when Pete and uh, Liz are sitting talking about getting a new cast member you know they're just having like a little business meeting and Pete will say like okay well so, as long as nothing happens in the next eight hours, and then Liz will like look at the camera and like raise her eyebrows, just has like a wink, like, haha, something's gonna happen. <laughs> So we're agreed. Assuming nothing goes wrong in the next eight hours, Jaden Michael Tyler will be the next TGS cast member. And just that sort of thing that will happen. They're very small moments. It's not like a full Malcolm in the middle.
1: But if we do look at kind of your premise of its intent has to be comedic, it has to have a live studio audience or connection. It has to be able to be self-contained and viewed episodically. Then I'm wondering about like a variety show.
0: Well, I think it also has to have that I don't think I mentioned this because you already mentioned it it has to have that focus on either a family or a workplace that the plots will always resolve around that and Mm, friends friends yeah
1: no family no workplace
0: well or a group of friends yeah but traditionally friend family or workplace
1: okay
0: it can be anything really like faulty towers is around like a hotel it just has to be like a particular group of people that are limited to a limited amount of settings
1: right and so I think part of what what removes a variety show from the running then is that it is not a principal cast of actors playing the same character and pretty much only the same character.
0: Right. And again, that's like an answer to the broadcasting question, because as you're trying to get the audience to tune in every week to the episode, having a relationship with the actors is part of it or having a relationship with the characters. So it's a marketing decision as much as anything else.
1: Right. It's a marketing decision for sure. And it, it helps with the, the episodic nature, right? If you watch a Friends, you know, this is Chandler. You watch it one time, you know, he's the grumpy guy. You catch another episode, you know to expect that this is the grumpy guy, right? right? Yeah. You don't have to do too much in the way of understanding where that character is in their arc because there really isn't an arc. There might be adjustments to the situation. They may be mm-hmm. married, but then they're just grumpy and married, right? They're not fundamentally changing in their marriage.
0: Right. Yeah. It just makes it easier to pick it up out of order or pick it up whenever. And you sort of easily understand what's going on. Yes. It's not, it's not like when you're tuning into a drama and you're like, why are they mad at her?
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You get right. it pretty quick. Exactly. And I think it, uh, it, it also within sitcoms, I think the character traits are a lot more broad strokes than you probably get elsewhere, mm-hmm. simply because the, they are episodic in nature, right? And the idea is an audience member can tune in to this show and understand who a character is very, very quickly, right? So there's not going to be a lot of nuance to any specific character. And I think like the, the show that really does it, like we've mentioned Friends already, I think Friends does this, right? You have, the the characters each have like a thing about them that is their defining thing right Mm -hmm. like phoebe is kooky monica is type a like you have the thing so it is not a lot of complexity so not only do they not grow they have like their one defining feature that is pretty much their like true north For every script. Yeah. This this is the situation. How does the kooky character react to situation? How does the type A character react to situation?
0: Right, exactly. I think so because I center the definition of sitcoms around like its relationship with its medium, like a broadcasting, a lot of the TV show, like comedic TV shows that come out have come out recently in the last like decade, they, you might think of them as sitcoms, but I would define them not as a sitcom because they are much more tailored to the streaming medium. And I think those are two mm-hmm. different things. You you could definitely, you could probably sympathize with this, that when I sit down to like learn, quote, learn a old sitcom, it is actually really difficult to just like watch back to back to back to back to back old sitcoms because they are so cyclical and there is never any character growth. And mm-hmm. so none of the episodes have stakes mm-hmm. that it's, you can't, you just can't binge like Cheers. It It's just, it's too much much and so streaming services have it's a different format it's a different medium and they want you to binge and so they had to modify how they do comedy Mm -hmm. and that's why I I'm very comfortable just like saying that a lot of the new comedies Mm -hmm. are different Mm -hmm. because they tend to get throw the serialized thing out the window right
1: by nature of it these shows are never intended for broadcast in the same way yeah interesting interesting it's an aspect of it that really makes me wonder you know if removed are we still talking about a sitcom or not and maybe that is maybe that's something that is still kind of up for debate
0: well we can put our two theories to the test to let's do it really get the tires on the road here we have put a list together of sitcoms uh, of potential sitcoms and tr- and we're going to try to see if you think it's a sitcom, if I think it's a sitcom, and we'll talk about any differences.
1: Let's do it. I know this isn't a competition, but like it feels very much like a competition, and I'll be right.
0: We'll let our one listener be the judge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. One listener, you're the tie-breaking vote on all of these. So please make sure to let us know how you how you go. All right, let's let's do this.
0: Okay, so we're starting off easy. SNL, is it a sitcom?
1: Not a sitcom. Definitely SNL. not a sitcom. It breaks our rule of characters have to be played by principal actors who reprise their role and pretty much only that role in every episode.
0: Strangers with Candy?
1: Strangers with Candy. Yes. So I think this one is interesting because it does have character actors playing different roles, but they are primarily playing their same exact role and absolutely no development in this television show. If you haven't watched it before, so Strangers with Candy was like my, sometimes I would like fake being sick home from school because it only (laughs) aired like weekdays, daytime on Comedy Central when I was growing up. If you haven't seen it, it's a Amy Sedaris classic joint recommend watching it for sure it's wild if you really want to know what the alt comedy scene was like in the 1990s strangers with candy is your jam
0: Stephen Colbert was in it
1: yes yeah one of his earliest roles highly recommend
0: for people keeping track of like <laughs> my definition I'm saying yes because there is a lot of weak- winking to the audience a lot of like not direct fourth wall breaking but a lot of being very silly and like a- acknowledging that it's like a television show. All right, uh, Louis, Netflix's Louis with Louis C.K. Yeah, I think it is. If you get it? Walk me through it. Yeah. I say no.
1: I think it is a sitcom. I think it's a sitcom more by your definition than by mine. Interesting. Um, and the reason that I say that is, I do think we obviously its sole purpose is comedy. Uh, and it does make a connection with the audience because maybe this is just my memory of it. I have not watched this in a while, especially since he turned out to be a, a sexually abusive person. I, so I have not watched this in a while. So correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he does stand up in the shows.
0: He does, but they do it as like a framing
1: in- device. Like there's, there's a up bit in each show or in each episode. Yeah. Seinfeld It
0: It is very Seinfeld esque but he's never addressing much like Seinfeld. He's not talking to the camera or anything. He's talking to the audience
1: but it the audience there is it's almost like a pseudo live audience, right? You are the audience in the stand-up cabaret at that point.
0: Yeah, I suppose in a way. I think I'm just trying to be a little bit stricter with my use of the connection to the audience. But I don't know. It like... feels
1: to me more direct than a side glance kind of at the camera. Yeah. Like I guess You're it's... the way it's even filmed. Like, think of like it think of any of them. I'm I'm drawing a lot from Seinfeld now, so I'm maybe having like a mush in my mind between the two. But how it's filmed is like you see the heads of the audience you yeah, hear their more, laughter
0: yeah that's more Seinfeld and Louie I believe it's much more like if you were to film like a a drama about like they show the audience they pan around the audience I think I don't know I I guess at the end of the day it's going to be a subjective but I don't see that as selling it for me
1: yeah I mean I think the perspective that they put on it they put on him or whoever is doing stand up in the episode because it's actually not just Louis every time there are other stand ups that he invites to do do that do that bit the way that it is framed and that you are looking at them you are looking at them from the perspective of though you were sitting in that seat in that theater right i think it is like such a very one-to-one direct correlation with like even what you said about like television sort of taking on that role of a theatrical experience it seems you know almost like a cut and paste of that that type of experience onto film
0: yeah I guess just for the most part like the the meat of it is that it is primarily shot as like an art house film and like so while it has that framing it is mostly shot as like our house or an independent film with this like a single camera in like gritty reality I don't know there's just not a there's not enough like winking to the audience or enough of that being part of the DNA of the show and how it functions that I would classify it as a sitcom
1: if anything I think it probably falls down on like the Character growth aspect of it. I think probably there is an effort there to have some kind of character growth, but I'm going to be very honest. I do not remember it well enough and I have not rewatched it again, won't rewatch it again. Yeah,
0: uh, he's a bad person. I do. I will say this, just uh, it it was a good show. I love the show until revelations were made.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, same.
0: Yeah. So, Malcolm in the Middle.
1: Yes. I also think this is a sitcom. It's, hands down a sitcom even though we do not have the live studio audience i don't think that is a necessity for a sitcom
0: yeah by my definition the talking to the camera is enough to by your definition
1: it it absolutely is i think it meets my definition as well same actors primary intense comedy limited to no growth episode self-contained
0: it is stretching the limited to no growth like we Mm. watch those boys grow up and go through the different stages and like they learn um yeah
1: Yeah, I do think there is. And you know what, that maybe it is a little asterisk. And I did have this conversation actually this morning with my husband when we were poking on this limited to no growth idea. And he specifically called out that the primary caveat is if you have children growing up, right? Because like, it does not make sense in any reality, whether it is sitcom hellscape, or like our reality for a child to be the same at, four and 17 like they're just not going to be the same and so like it would be uncomfortable for audiences if like malcolm was the same at 13 as he is you know when he's going off to college
0: okay sex education
1: uh i don't know if the primary intent of the show is comedy
0: yeah it's very much like dramedy it's goofy but in a like I
1: i think it has something else that it's trying to tell us Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I think it has a point beyond just making you laugh, which is, an, I guess, an interesting thing, right? Because you could argue that other shows that are sitcoms are the same, right? Like, if you think about an All in the Family, there's a point there beyond making us laugh, but I'd still safely put that in the sitcom category mm-hmm. but something feels different about sex education
0: yeah i think that the sitcom writers they i believe i have heard like in the industry there's a lot of stress put on laughs per minute and right. yeah you have to like have the audience laughing multiple times per minute and sex education it just has the feel of a show that that's not something they're concerned with with like the rapid fire jokes right so it's, it's a funny show it's just not like you have to be laughing all the time
1: yes I think there's a there's a much more of a, a stress on the story less about telling you the jokes and like the characters themselves are not designed to be sort of popped in and out of a situation based on like one or two defining traits about them it's a no it's a no for me
0: yeah and the serialized thing they grow right um, okay so pen 15
1: this one I actually had to think a lot about. And I think it's a no for the exact same reason as sex education, because yes, it's a comedy, but I'm not 100% sure that the primary goal here is comedy. It's very funny. It's a hilarious show, but I'm not sure the primary goal is actually comedy. I think it's more interested in sort of telling the truth. Of that experience at that age, which can often, which I guess for those who haven't seen it, it's about telling the truth of the experience of 13 year old girls in the early 2000s. And sometimes for those of us who've been 13 year old girls, we understand that that can be incredibly uncomfortable and awkward. And it lets you sit in those moments. It's not interested in every second making you laugh. There's some heavy drama elements to it. And these girls grow, right? They grow and change. They're obviously the point of being 13. Thirteen is for you to change a whole lot, right? It's probably for girls, the most pivotal age in that regard. It's, you know, before we had this conversation, I probably would have safely put it in the sitcom category. It's a no for me.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to throw on top of my test that like the last per minute aspect of it, again, because of the medium of broadcasting last per minute is super important. If somebody's flipping through channels, you have to hook them in the next 30 minutes. And that is a real stress put on sitcoms in particular.
1: Yeah, I I think it's I think it's definitely true like that that jokes per minute has to be high, which is often why I think some sitcoms are crap because nobody can write that many jokes and have them all land.
0: Yeah, I mean, got to clarify attempted jokes per minute, because otherwise, (laughs) otherwise, we'd have to put like the war at home as like a drama. (laughs) Yikes. Okay, crazy ex-girlfriend.
1: Yeah. It, this is interesting. Obviously, the at least the initial intended goal is very much comedy, right? It's a it's about a girl who gives up everything and goes across the country for a guy she like kind of dated once. And there's a lot of really funny, smart, witty songs that that she sings throughout it. Obviously, the intent is comedy here, but 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 significant character growth. We go through an entire realization that her behavior is actually not appropriate there's a ton of self-awareness that occurs here it's a no
0: that is and it, so i have changed crazy ex-girlfriend i don't know if you've been watching our google Sheet. i just changed a little it bit a little bit yeah so i've changed it maybe like three three four times now it is currently sitting on a yes but man it is borderline so Ew.
1: tell me why you went from no to yes i have never felt more comfortable in a no tell me why you feel it's a yes
0: okay so I think that it clearly passes my like direct relationship with the audience Uh, yeah so not only does it like mimic actual literal theater many times yes But a lot of the songs are directed specifically to the camera and I think they also occasionally will do a gag where they look at the camera so it definitely passes that as far as the character growth thing that's definitely like a valid thing. The reason that I think I'm currently on a yes, even though it's very iffy, and you could push this yes down with a feather, <laughs> is that it is, I think, like The Good Place, sort of in a conversation about like character growth and like yeah it's a show that's very self-aware of like the way that television often has women or uh, just characters in general repeat their own mistakes over and over again there are Mm. many jokes that point to the i don't know just point to the tropes of television like the who's the new guy song where they are clearly making lots of references to the fact of like it being a television show and like oh no are we going to get replaced
1: The new guy. I don't trust him. What's his purpose going to be? Who's this new character? I mean, he's such a character. Such a big persona that's not relatable at all. Do we really need a new guy that's
0: far into the season? And by far into the season, I mean it's almost fall. Daryl is being replaced by a broom. So so I don't know. I think that it's a show that is aware Ooh, and in conversation with the lack of growth aspect. I think that gives it a pass.
1: You know, it's it's iffy. It's iffy, iffy, iffy. It's right on that line. I think like I'm with you up until like she literally goes through like a like like a diagnosis for like borderline personality disorder. Yeah. And I I think that this goes a little bit beyond the the reach of like a conversation about no development and like the I like this a meta comment on sitcoms like we like if it weren't for that, right, if we really weren't going so far as to like, like, I mean, it's a great episode and a great song where she sings about her diagnosis. For almost 30 years, I've known something was wrong But mom said weakness causes bloating, so I tried to be strong Fake it till you make it, that's how I got by And when I tried to find the reason for my sadness and terror All the solutions were trial and error Take this pill, say this chant, move here for this guy but now there's no need for regret, cause I'm about to get a diagnosis, a diagnosis. Don't tell me no, sister, you don't fit in. It's like, I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's a bridge too far for me on this one in terms of the no growth scenario.
0: I think I agree. I've changed uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for the fifth time. It is now and in- Yeah. OK. Pushing Daisies.
1: All right. We're stretching my knowledge a bit on this one. I oh, do you should watch it. It's good. I have. I've seen it. I've seen all of it, but I watched it in college. So we are now 10 years removed from my memories of Pushing Daisies, which also did not have that many episodes. I, I again, don't think it's primary intent was comedy.
0: I agree. It's I don't even think it's barely even a comedy. It's just very whimsical.
1: Right. It has some silly, fantastical elements to it. It's beautiful. Like it's a gorgeous show to watch. It has a interesting premise, but I also don't think you could watch it episodically. Like I could not just pop into a random ass episode of Pushing Daisies and be able to enjoy it like at the same level as if you watched it serially.
0: All right. And 30 Rock.
1: Yes. Yes. I think it's a sitcom. This one. Did, it, it did, it cause marriage. some, yeah, it, it caused some discontent in my marriage. I think one of the reasons perhaps my husband disagreed, and this is maybe part of my overall thesis on whether or not sitcoms are dying. I think the idea of a sitcom is attached to a lot of stigma around the quality that a sitcom can deliver. And obviously 30 Rock delivers a lot of quality. And I think people don't like the idea of themselves liking or really being into to a sitcom or thinking a sitcom had a huge impact on, you know, who they are and how they how they have developed their own sense of humor. That's worrisome so considering that's
0: the premise of the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, there are people out there like us, but I think like in modern in modern times, right? It's like sitcoms can be nostalgic, but Nobody is going to be like, I'm interested in watching us. Like, I want to see a new sitcom come out.
0: Yeah, Is that his argument then that 30 Rock is too good to be a sitcom?
1: No, his argument, my husband's argument was that 30 Rock is not a sitcom. It's a satire. And I'm not sure. Yes, it's a satire to some degree. I think where I brought him to was that it is a sitcom first and then sort of the intent or the sub genre of sitcom as satire.
0: Yeah, I think that it's not an either or for that. It's not a binary, Alec. Right.
1: It's minor.
0: <laughs> and then the good place obviously that's a that's a yes for me
1: yeah i think it is too
0: it definitely i mean the entire point of the show is that there's growth
1: right right exactly yeah but i think that i think that it really it hits all of the el- other elements like so strong especially if you think about like if you think about the idea of like kind of characters that are painted with very broad strokes about like the one thing that they are. Mm-hmm. Like that is very much the good place, right? You have right. Chidi who's like the neurotic comic. You have Kristen Bell who's the cool chick. You have Jamila Jalil who is the wannabe socialite, mm-hmm. right? Like they're very broad strokes and they're like very much this one thing. But I think obviously the point of the good place is the exploration that they're not, and they are actually more things. So maybe I'm, I'm dismantling my own argument as I make it, but then like, can't really watch it. You it, it- you could catch an episode and it's still funny, but it would be hard to watch the show completely like in a syndicated, out of order jumbled That's up true. Ooh, it's this one I think is almost as iffy as Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I don't think it's quite as iffy. It feels like a sitcom to me because it's dressed itself in sitcoms clothing intentionally. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is sitcommy. It aired on network television. It starred Ted freaking Danson. It it has the structure of a sitcom. The jokes are sitcomy. So I'm going to give it a yes but it feels it feels almost as iffy
0: yeah I guess by my rules of the road you get a pass if like you deviate from a rule specifically because you're having a conversation about the genre so um, even though I also said that it needs to have a an episodic thing to it with no growth I'm cool with giving it a check if like you're doing it as a commentary or like you're talking about the genre Right. I put down MASH because I know it's a weird show. I don't know anything about MASH.
1: I think it's very much a sitcom. I think it's considered one of the classics, to be honest, in the sitcom world. But it's, a, it's interesting because it is contextualized in a very dark setting, right? Where it's set in the Korean War, and the name of the theme song is Suicide is Painless. So there's a lot of darkness that is happening here in the MASH world. But I think overall, at least on my sort of litmus test, It pretty much hits all of the boxes. The episodes are self-contained. You can pick up any episode of Ash. You're going to be fine. The primary intent of the show is comedy, right? It's the same actors. There's little to no character growth. I'm pretty sure it's a three-camera sitcom. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think they were filmed in front of a live studio audience as well.
0: Wikipedia is even confused by it because for genre, it has comedy, drama, dark comedy, medical drama, sitcom, war. Like (laughs) a (laughs) lot of different genres at once.
1: Yeah. I think it's true though. I think, and I think it's partially why mash was so popular is that it was, I think more genre bending than it's probably given credit for. It was dark. It was, it was dark. It was a dark comedy. And I think, and again, like dressed up in sitcoms clothing, I'm putting it as a yes, but I will also say this, like it is not something I've watched a significant amount of.
0: Yeah, and Arena 911.
1: This one's harder than I think first. Uh, I first thought. So.
0: I'm saying yes for just because of the format of like a parody of cops and there's a camera crew following it around. That's like a fourth wall breaking sort of thing.
1: Yes, they look at the camera all the time too. Right. They talk to camera, look to camera, very, very office in that way. Oh! Wait, what? I'm just goofing. New boot goofing. Oh!
0: Definitely fits like the bill of idiots building, like building their own hell.
1: Yep. (laughs) there's no exit. Yeah, no exit for sure. There's no growth. Episodes are very self-contained. You can watch any episode of Reno 911 at any point in its run and you're going to be fine. Yeah. The same actors do portray the same characters principally and as like side characters as well. The one thing that is like question mark for me is like, does a sitcom have to be scripted to be a sitcom?
0: That is not one of my requirements.
1: But what do you I mean, what do you think about that?
0: I don't think it's fundamentally I don't think it fundamentally defines the genre.
1: Are there any other shows you can think of that are also primarily improvised that you would consider a sitcom in the same way, or is this like a total unicorn?
0: I mean, it's a pretty rare way of doing a TV show. Generally um,
1: speaking, yeah.
0: I can't think of anything. I think uh, Rick and Morty has a lot of which uh, we're going to get into like animation and how we feel about that because I think that will be we haven't really explored that yet. But if Rick and Morty is a sitcom, a lot of that is improvised.
1: Mm, mm, mm. I think to a, it's probably improvised to a lesser extent on Rick or, Rick and Morty, but okay. That's right. Ugh, I would have said no initially to Reno 911 simply because it is non scripted.
0: i go yes. Okay. So I split up the rest of these into categories because I think that it's probably if one of them's a yes, then they're all yeses. If one of them's a no, they're all no's. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. So the first one's the group that I have is what we do in the shadows, the office, parks and rec, and modern family. Saying yes to all of these. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they talk directly to the camera they are th- there's not a lot of growth happening there is some growth these are modern shows and so there just mean some growth but they are still very conservative with their core concept
1: i agree i agree primary intent is comedy same actors playing the same characters yeah I mean I think if you bump up on any of these it might be around growth but even I, even the growth is just so minimal the growth I think is more defined by like a change in situation than mm-hmm. it is by a change in personality right like right, Michael yeah. gets a serious girlfriend or a wife at the end but he's still the same right like he is still making like horrifically inappropriate jokes
0: right yeah and I think with all of them you could add to the rule that it's very conservative with its premise until the series finale when mm. pe- they tend mm. to get off the island in some way hmm or that, that tends to be where a revelation is made or they get together, that kind of thing. So I don't think that necessarily breaks it. Right. So yes to all of them?
1: Yes to all of them. I, I think it's a strong yes. Some of them are like more squarely in the bucket than others. Modern Family, I think, is like slam dunk on this premise. But I think all of them are sitcoms.
0: Okay, and now we get into animation. Uh, I have Bojack Horseman, Flintstones, The Looney Tunes, Scooby-Doo, The Simpsons, Futurama, and Rick and Morty is what I have mm, down. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm all over the place because they yeah. have different answers to my question. About yeah. When it comes to animation, it's tricky <laughs> how they make the connection with the audience.
1: Yeah, yep. Yep.
0: So BoJack Horseman, what you thinking?
1: I will say it's a show I'm less familiar with. To be candid, I am maybe this is a maybe it's an unpopular opinion. I am not a huge Will Arnett fan. Not a huge Will Arnett fan, generally speaking. So I have not watched a ton of it. To be fair, however, what I do know of it is that it is. I think to some extent in a very introspective show and in a way where I think there is a little bit more depth to the characters, a little bit more growth to the characters than in perhaps your average animation. I in no way no. episodic.
0: It's a... It's a full-on drama.
1: Yeah, I lean towards a no on this one. Okay.
0: And the Flintstones.
1: I'm curious about it. Like, it's almost, like, it feels almost too base or like, <laughs> a step below a sitcom in that it really does feel like an animated version of, like, a, a Sunday Funnies cartoon strip.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has that laugh track. Yeah. And its plots are... It's, it's a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, it is literally like they take, like, you know, a uh, uh, 1950s style sitcom and just animated it. it yeah it's a yes for sure I mean it's not necessarily nuanced but it's a sitcom
0: Looney Tunes
1: no absolutely not I think it's there's not really a plot to any given episode you're watching a series of vignettes
0: yeah I mean I guess like when it originally ran they were like running two or three per episode right yes yeah so it's more of a variety show
1: it's um, definitely more of a variety show. Now your characters do stay the same. There is no growth and they are trapped together in a no exit situation, but I do not Twilight. feel like there is enough plot. There's no story there.
0: Yeah, and Scooby-Doo.
1: Interesting, interesting, interesting one here.
0: I'm going yes. it passes my first test with the laugh trap and has a lot of like winking to the camera. It had, It centers around one group of friends uh-huh. in their cloaked workplace. there's no real character growth ever it's very episodic
1: is the primary intent comedy yeah for sure i would say i think like it's iffy for me on whether the primary intent is comedy specifically i think it's 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 very inspired almost by some of like the variety shows of the time without being a variety show because it is following a plot Mm -hmm. but it has almost like laughing vibes going on. Yeah, I'll give it a yes as well, but I'm just it's iffy to me. Okay, Like it's like if somebody came up to me on the street and was like, do you think Scooby Doo is a sitcom? Like it wouldn't sit well in my gut.
0: Yeah, I think it doesn't feel good to me either but I can't think of any logical reason that it wouldn't be for me okay so I wasn't allowed to watch the Simpsons as a kid (laughs) and so I haven't seen a lot of the Simpsons but based off of the very little I know I'm putting a no but you would be the better judge of whether or not as like a part of the DNA of the show there's a lot of winking to the audience
1: Yes, I think I would very much consider The Simpsons a sitcom. By my definition, right, you do have primary intent is comedy, little to no character growth, self-contained episodes, very self-contained episodes, in fact. Same actors portraying the same characters, you know, it has all of those things, which I think are very similar to yours your list the only thing you had was nodding or winking to the camera i
0: think it's too much of a stretch for me i think i'm more conservative with how i define that nodding to the audience but is your answer the same for future very similar shows i can't think of
1: yeah i mean it's it's very similar for futurama i think futurama also knows it's a a television show yeah I, i would i would think it's it's very similar although futurama i think actually has a ton of character development i'm struggling now to like justify that But I think like, like Fry develops in terms of like his, his emotional depth.
0: I feel like Fry, he he like learns very important lessons within an episode. But like with many sitcoms, you are in hell and you will forget it next episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fair, 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 fair. Yeah, I can't, I can't offer a counter to demonstrate otherwise.
0: Yeah, I, by the way, just a random aside, the ultimate, this sitcom is hell is uh, saved by the bell. Like (laughs) Zach Morris is the devil and everybody else is just there as his personal plaything.
1: It's true. And it's extra, like the the fact that's in high school, right? Adds an extra element to the idea of like, it is the ultimate hell because there is nothing I can think of that might be worse and having to perpetually live through high school.
0: Yeah. Do you want to be Zach's friend and be complicit in his crimes or do you want to be a victim of Zach's crimes? And spoiler (laughs) alert, you will do both.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He has no friends. Zach Morris has no gods.
0: But Rick and Morty was the last one on this list. And I think it's a yes for me.
1: It's a yes for me as well. There is no development for Rick and Morty. I think. They stay assholes.
0: I so do you are you all caught up on Rocket Rick and Morty? I don't know. It uh, I think there is. It's not. I think it's a, like a show that tries to have it both ways, and it is episodic. You can pick up any episode and just watch it, but it also tries to have like a an important like the developmental thread that goes through them so but they only do like uh, one, they only do like one development episode a season
1: <laughs> yeah but i feel like it's development in the same way we mentioned with fry and futurama yeah
0: like the would- lessons
1: are learned in the episode and then we do not sort of see that applied
0: I, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone but i do think that there is a lot of development especially with like morty Jennings, his relationship with rick and i think that again it's very self-aware of itself as like a show that it's actually kind of toxic to have a relationship where um mm. there's this man that's constantly abusing a teenager
1: <laughs> or did you come back because they dumped you there you go kid now you're evil morty too Sooner, we separated all the infinite universes
0: from all the infinite universes where he's the smartest man in the universe. Every version of us has spent every version of all of us. And that's how they justified this. I'm not responsible for every fucked up Rick out there.
1: Yeah, but I think it's like, where do they end with it though? And which I like, I know where they end with it. And we're, you know, we're back at the start.
0: I I don't think you're caught up then. I, I think because the last the se- season finale of the last,
1: last thing I saw was about like with the Ravens,
0: the ra- and then like he escapes from spoiler alert for Ricky Morty escapes from the multiverse like that and
1: they like to stay they, they kind of like almost it, like to, but it was a version of a version of Morty escapes, but our yeah, Morty but- stays with Rick.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a very good place way of having a conversation about the trope of cyclical mm. plots, and just like you can never escape. I guess mm. that's the point I'm trying to make. Mm. Yeah, As it I mean, does I still... the exact same thing. The central finite curve that uh, whole concept it is about, you know, show characters, and Rick is constantly acknowledging that it's a show. Um, mm-hmm. Characters in a show like feeling stuck in the repeated mistakes that you have to make in order to be part of a show. Like I think that's why that concept exists in the show. So I think. Mm. It's like The Good Place having a, a conversation about the genre.
1: Okay, I mean, we both agree it's a sitcom. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is just our spicy segment where I try to see how far we can stretch the definition. We're go- It's going to be a little bit limited because you haven't seen or heard any of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first one is Rabbit, which is a very funny comedy series on YouTube. It- it's about this character, Rabbit. His job is that he sort of, it's like he like does this underground fiver thing where like he will literally do anything for money so he's like he has he's a gig worker that will do any kind of favor if you pay him so in the episode it's like a task rabbit situation yeah, yeah yeah and so like in the episode I linked you the customer is asking rabbit to pretend to be his boyfriend because he was the customer was in love with this girl but like when they were teenagers he led her to believe that he was gay in order to have an intimate emotional relationship but he thinks he's starting to question that he's gay so he needs rabbit to pretend to be his boyfriend for a while just to sell it to the girl
1: mm. is this is this show scripted unscripted what is scripted. the okay okay
0: yeah i mean for being like an amateur uh, comedy series it's really good yeah it sounds but, like
1: a interesting premise
0: yeah and it's like what five minutes what based off of this do you have any questions about it before you make your verdict
1: so it's like it's five minutes long this,
0: i'm looking at that it was 13 minutes long
1: yeah that sounds i mean it's not that far off from the sitcom it's you already told me it was scripted we have the same guy being the rabbit every week mm-hmm. okay same dude being the rabbit is the primary intent comedy
0: yeah for sure it doesn't have the laughs per minute vibe it's more like a slow burn sort of comedy mm.
1: could i pick up any episode at any point in time like if i went onto their page could i click like the most recent one and still get my kicks
0: Yep. Rabbit has a task he has to do every time they put one out and it's resolved in 10 minutes.
1: It seems sitcom to me.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I believe this, but I might say yes as well because, and this is just, I, I think if we're talking about the new medium, maybe posting it on YouTube and it having like this comedy section and this is how it is consumed is sort of the great, great grandchild of a live theater audience of, I have ADHD. So I almost never watch a YouTube show a, a video like this without sort of scrolling down and like reading the comments as I'm consuming it and like listening to what's going on, and so it's very much part of the consumption process for me.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. The fact that you can comment directly on the video, right? Yeah. You could it puts you in conversation with others watching it and potentially the creator itself.
0: Yeah. So, did you say you were saying yes based off what you know?
1: Based off what I know, it seems pretty sitcommy to me.
0: I'm gonna say yes too. You don't know, have no here, and the next one. Is a crime drama series by Lisa Padici on TikTok. It is, <laughs> so it is a long, it's been going for a while. I think she's on like episode 45, but each episode is like 30 seconds. And it is a parody of procedural dramas.
1: Forget something? Yeah. Ginkgo Baloba. What? For your memory. My grandma takes it. Thanks for the tip. It happens when you're old. I'm not that old. You're kind of old. Listen to Tony. Have any friends in class? You liked all the ladies, that's what I've heard. This one lady in particular, yeah? They sat next to each other, did they? Sometimes they'd leave together. You got a name for this lady? Sherry, Sherry Spritzer. Sounds like a class act. <laughs>
0: She plays all the characters, but there is a detective character that's in every episode. What's your, what's your verdict? I'll say no. And I think this will help you because I think you're probably also going to say no. It cannot be picked up one at a time. It is very much a serialized.
1: That was going to be a question whether or not I could pick up a random one. I also think that like there has to be like a... Like the plot itself has to like travel an arc, and I'm I'm not sure whether you're getting an, a full arc in like the self-contained episode.
0: That's true. It's almost like it's a clip of an episode. Yes, um, exactly.
1: So you're not getting a you're not getting a story. The episode has to give you a full story.
0: Yeah. So that's a no for yeah. that and then the other one I have just kicking the tires for how far we can stretch it is a podcast that I listened to a while ago called Live from the Magic Tavern it is a fictional comedy podcast the premise of it is that the Hope found a magical portal at the burger king that's on the wrigleyville station in chicago and oh. uh, and so he went through it and found this magical realm of Foon, and he started a comedy podcast and he started like interviewing people that come through the magic tavern and so there are regular characters that are always there his co-host and then they have guests on that they interview and so it's partial interview but it's like a, a plot happens through the interview because it's all it's all fictional and it's improvised as well you pick up any any episode
1: yeah and the relationship with the audience is
0: i well i you know what actually they do have a relationship with the audience where they have a running gag with the audience at this game that they're playing where the audience will write in as though they believe this to be true this uh, podcast and then the writers I and mean, the characters will read them and uh, answer the questions seriously or the letters Mm. seriously. So there is sort of like uh, an audience participation there. I'm a little bit more strict about how I interpret the audience participation that has to be a substitute for live theater in some way. And so I'm gonna say no.
1: Yeah, it's a toughie, it's a toughie. I'm more, and I haven't heard it, but I'm more iffy on the idea of the interview. Uh, You know, as you pointed out in the beginning of the episode, Nietzsche said, I don't know what a sitcom is, but I know it when I see it and I just don't see it.
0: Fair enough. And that was a no for me as well. So I'm only saying yes to Rabbit as a sitcom for like Mm -hmm. next generation media.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: And that's mainly because, and I guess that brings us to um, the future of sitcoms, the presence of sitcoms, our sitcoms, Dead. Yes. Um,
1: Are we dead? Are we on life support? Are we thriving?
0: What's your verdict? How do what you
1: feel? Is my verdict. So dead no i don't think we're dead i don't think sitcoms are dead i do think that sitcoms are greenlit still we still have our classic three camera network sitcom television shows look at who was the highest paid actors on television in the last decade you're going to find the cast of the big bang theory classic squarely in the the realm of sitcomdom so sitcoms are they dead No. That said, I do think that, number one, like I said before, I think that there is somewhat of a stigma around the idea of a new sitcom coming to air. One, I do think you have a point around how our consumption patterns have changed. Our behaviors are not the same in how we consume media and therefore a classic style sitcom today would be painful for a number of reasons, not just from a plot perspective, but from like the quality of the image, the types of references that they're making, those sorts of things that just maybe don't translate to today's world in quite the same way. So I think that there is a challenge from that perspective to bring something like that to to air. I also think that as we've gone through sort of a renaissance in television starting in sort of the mid-2000s to now, people think they're smarter than a sitcom, right? And so they don't want to be necessarily associated with a new sitcom because they feel like they themselves have sort of outgrown it because, you know, perhaps culturally we've outgrown. So I think there's a perception that sitcoms are dead. But I think I don't think sitcoms are dead. And I also don't necessarily think that the rules that we've put into place here, I don't think sitcoms are really necessarily going to go anywhere. But I think they'll I think they'll likely change. And I think maybe like the laughs per minute may reduce, right? And we may end up with sort of tonally or from a pace perspective, a a different type of sitcom.
0: So I think it's just empirically true that sitcoms can't be dead because there are obvious like three camera live studio audience or laugh track sitcoms that are currently in production. The Neighborhood, it comes to mind, just a very classic. Nobody could argue that's not a sitcom still going on. It was renewed for next year. So we're good to go. So as far as like its future, I do think that I mean, as long as boomers are around, there's going to be like a, a market for it that they're familiar with that genre. And they are willingly going to consume that kind of television. It's just they are okay with it. And I don't think they like for that generation, there's as much of a stigma, which is also why I think that sitcoms, especially three camera sitcoms tend to be much more conservative these days than they have been in the past. Yes, like La- last man in stand was topping the charts for like that style until very recently and uh, but as far as like its future by my definition of sitcoms that is intimately tied to broadcasting and I think as far as long as like traditional broadcasting like cable television exists sitcoms are going to be kind of an easy answer to it because they are cheap to produce And they just in the early days of television is true now. They are a pretty good answer to how do you deliver comedy in a broadcast format. So they, it's definitely lost its dominance, but they're still out there. And until cable television, the last nail is driven into that coffin, they'll be around. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that sitcoms are making, like, as streaming becomes the dominant way of consuming television, I don't think sitcoms are going to survive very long in that environment because it's not as a natural fit. People tend to demand that there be, if you're binging something, there has to be growth. There has to mm-hmm. be a thorough line. Yep. You can't just watch these to- these characters torture themselves over and over again in 30-minute segments. It's, it gets, watching, everybody loves Raymond, back to back to back to back. To back. It's dark, man. <laughs> it does something to the soul.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, though, I mean, if you look, like, Friends has consistently been a top performer on streaming platforms i don't know if this is a universal truth i think that there is still a demand for it if you look at who consumes that show it's largely millennials and gen z i
0: think that's a nostalgia thing which i think means like it's how, only a matter of how, time
1: how if you're gen z how if you're 19 years old
0: the entire premise of this show jessica is that we <laughs> we are millennials that are obsessed with like roseanne and cheers and designing women i,
1: I understand i like I understand you and I I am talking about like when I see a like a very young person right I've said my brother's 22 mm-hmm. there are people in his friend group who love the show and they were born after it aired
0: mm, I mean I guess it, I still think it would be the same thing as our situation I think we are not the only ones out there like so there's a saying... nostalgia thing I think that they probably saw reruns in some way I doubt there are v- mm, many people I that like discovered it. friends we'll I have don't to don't think a poll. so
1: I think they discovered on Netflix I think they discovered did on Netflix
0: maybe I don't know I don't have anything to cite but I do think that it's only a matter of time I just don't think that that particular like sitcoms are the way that they are because of the limitation and requirements of broadcasting and I think that streaming services have an entirely different have entirely different needs and so in 10-15 years are there any sitcoms being produced by streaming services I don't think so what do you think are the new needs for comedy now so if you accept my premise that that sitcoms are they are shaped fundamentally by the needs mm. of broadcasting. What are the new needs that are changing comedy?
1: Yeah, like what is the what is the great grandchild of the sitcom? But yeah. We'll what,
0: what? How is streaming shaping how we consume comedy the same way that broadcasting shaped the way that we viewed comedy?
1: I think it's a transition to a longer form, right? You're looking for the showrunners to have a vision of where the character is going to go over, let's say, a eight to 10 episode arc at least, right? So you have a end point in mind. You are not simply trying to take a set of characters and fill 22 episodes with what sort of wacky thing could happen to them within these 22 episodes. You are navigating towards an end point and people are looking for larger stories. So I think that the jokes per minute that we mentioned before is not as necessary because I think what what is more important at this point is, is story, right? You need to have a a greater, greater emphasis on your overall narrative. I also think that the proliferation of streaming services and the amount of content out there, especially if you start adding in the, 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 the TikToks and the YouTubes and the podcasts of the world. I think that you also have the ability to go very niche, right. And very intimate with your references and connection that you can therefore build with your audience. You can develop somewhat of a smaller community Mm -hmm. and make, you know, humor more, more niche, more, more connected to a smaller subset of people than is necessary in broadcast television. Right. So you don't necessarily have to have those huge broad strokes characters in the same way.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think that the barrier of entry is lower. You can find your audience easier. And so their comedy is much, much more niche than I think that you could be. In the past, it's definitely longer. Like if you compare 30 Rock to Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, like both produced by Tina Fey, it's like it's, they're much longer. They eat. Many of them will go over 30 minutes, which I'm not the first person to say this. I think that that is not necessarily a good thing. Agreed. I, I've heard multiple people in my interviews say that being limited to like 24 minutes makes you much more strict with your time. Yeah, incredible and, discipline. Yeah. And so you get much tighter scripts. Th- there are many times that uh, I'll be watching like a Netflix comedy show and I'll be like, that could have been on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I <Like>, I didn't <laughs> totally, necessarily. Totally agree. The other thing that I wanted to mention is Brett Mills in the book I was talking about before, they make a very good point that and how they ultimately feel about genre is that genre is fundamentally marketing. The genre of sitcoms was born out of you know executives being like okay we want to put a two-hour comedy block on thursdays because we made this calculation and so that's sort of how that and so it's just executives trying to put different kinds of art pieces into blocks And I think that streaming has a very interesting relationship with this. I don't know if you know this or if the audience is aware of this, but Netflix, the little thumbnails that you see for every show, that is an algorithm tailored to your viewing habits and the data Mm -hmm. that they have about you. So they are marketing different shows in different ways and sometimes just fundamentally misleading you on what the, (laughs) the type of show it is. I think I could be wrong about the specifics, but I think a little while ago I saw nanny mcphee (laughs) on my page and it was this like close-up of emma thompson just like looking into the mental distance like very serious with like a gray background and it just said like nanny mcphee like it was a a genre yeah like like it was a drama yeah i I was like why why are you trying to trick me into watching this it's only gonna last like five seconds and so that yeah I think that is impacting the way comedy is consumed and it's going to ultimately lead to fuzzier boundaries. Mm. Uh, but genres are not necessarily as useful for streamers as it is yeah. for broadcasting because you are getting those niche audiences and you right. want things that can be pitched in different ways. It's better to have something that can be both a comedy and a genre depending on how you market it. Right, And the algorithm can market it in different ways to like micro audiences.
1: Yes, yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense so I think we agree the sitcom is not dead it's not on life support but we foresee it going in different directions and not gone but simply mutated adapted in the same way that right theater is not gone right it has not what what brought forth the sitcom into the world is not gone, but it itself has changed as audiences tastes and how we consume it have changed. So, so must the sitcom. So I think that's the path we're headed down.
0: I think The Good Place said it best, the sitcom, maybe in a way it's ending, but...
1: So listeners out there, if you have other sitcoms that you think are genre bending right on that line, maybe a sitcom, maybe not, let us know. Let's talk about them. Let us know what you think about our definitions. Let us know what you think about how we've categorized some of these shows. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are and let us know what you think about whether or not sitcoms are dying. Have you written your sitcom eulogy yet? Do you have your funereal gown picked out? Please let us know. Snap us some pics. We'd love to see it. And I think that's it for this week's episode we really appreciate you guys sticking through it with us and listening to our ideas we can't wait to hear about yours as always go ahead like share subscribe tell a friend all those great things because we'd love to have you join us again next time
0: you can follow us on all of our social media we we, we have all of them we hold court in the comment section of the charlie bit my finger video from 2012 so got to find us there okay that's Subscribe to because it was all